재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Inviting an array of cultural luminaries to share and discuss books that have inspired and moved them Talk it up Welcome to Talk It Up. Joining us today are Amos Kim and Grace O. Amos Kim is a voracious reader of all genres of books. He considers books his only friends and has no problem in abandoning new ones within the first 50 pages. Yes. Hi, Amos. Hello. How are you? You abandon your book friends? Yes, well, if okay. it's it's like, it's like a new friend, right? Like you meet somebody new. Uh-huh. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Exactly. If not, bye-bye. So 50 pages for a book. Okay. And if I meet a person 50 seconds, if they oh, deserve my respect or cold, not. that is cold, Amos. That is cold. Life is very short. You can't waste your time. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Grace O is a person who loves and hates the idea of ambiguity, therefore has mixed feelings on how differently things can be viewed in literature. Although she enjoys the idea that a little disagreement makes conversations interesting, she tries not to come off too strong and has to remind herself time and again to be ladylike. Hi. Hello, Grace. Hello. I'm, I'm still starting. I'm still in the trying to be ladylike part okay. right now. Okay. Hey, Mom, am I making you proud? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to come off too strong, you know. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes, you know, with people like Amos, they only give me 50 seconds. I try to be mellowed in. If I get too okay. strong in the 50 seconds, he might just rid of me. We've done, we've done enough shows together, so. Okay, yeah. you've known each other more than 50 seconds. Yeah. Yes, okay. I was still here. I didn't come off too you strong passed. then. Yeah, you, you get a pass. You get Thanks, a pass. Yay. Don't worry. You should be very proud of yourself. I am. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom is proud of you. Amos is proud of you. you I you am proud of myself. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is a great day. So... Are you guys eating more these days because it is December and then we had a Thanksgiving a couple of weeks back? Mm-hmm. I think this is that time of the year when people tend to gain weight because there are so many opportunities for eating, mm. massive amounts of very high-fat eating. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, want to stay warm also as well during the colder seasons and stock up in food and limit, you know, bodily activity. And <laughs> Is eat. that why people are eating more? Well, that's why I usually eat more okay. this time, sad mm-hmm. to say. But it's a very happy moment. It's mm-hmm. a very happy season, which follows with regret afterwards. But mm-hmm. Well, you're now. going into hibernation, so you might need the extra layers of fat. Yeah, but the hibernation is very short. In, mm-hmm. Like my hibernation, other people sleeping, it's not that big of a difference. So <laughs> I eat more, so I don't know. What about you, Amos? I've definitely been eating more these days. Um, But I think, like you said, winter is a good time for it because, you know, you're wearing so many layers of clothes Mm -hmm. that nobody can really see that you're getting fatter until like... No one can see the folds. Yeah, exactly. The cascading folds. So my head head is pretty big, but I don't gain much weight in my head. So the rest of it's just a mess, though. Mm -hmm. So neither of you is particularly watching what you eat these days. But what about like other times of the year? Are there certain diets or protocols that you follow? Well, personally, not really, because I'm not really a person who sticks with diets. I like food. I like food all the time. Any type of food, all type of food. I love them. <laughs> food is love. Food is life. But I uh, like there are certain like times of the year where you don't have the appetite to eat, and I think that's usually when seasons change. And mm-hmm. that's not really something I, you know, do it knowing consciously but it happens Mm. and i do lose a little weight hopefully that happens after the cold subsides Mm -hmm. hopefully that happens again so i'm just still in my zone in my range Mm -hmm. what about you amos are there certain diets that you've tried in the past or i I have tried like cutting down carbohydrates and sugars Mm -hmm. and i found the most effective way that you won't go insane by doing this is to do it every other day so one day you literally cut out everything not even sugar in your coffee 
And then the next day, just eat whatever you want, like a pizza or whatever. And it actually works. I lost tons and tons of weight doing really? this. Really? Really. Uh-huh. But I'm very lazy and it's hard to stick to. But uh-huh. for other people there with better willpower than me, do that. Every other day mm-hmm. is the best probably way to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever tried that? No, no, no I, I don't have that much self-control, not even <laughs> to go into every other day. But that kind of uh-huh. gets me thinking. But if then you have like an every other day cheat day, does that even count as cheating as a cheat day if you're still going to be... You know, is that is that is that going to work? <laughs> like it's it's like questioning in my head. Because on the cheat day, there's no way you could eat as much as two bad days, oh, right? Because no. your stomach has a capacity. So uh-huh. even if you like stuff your face until you're going to die, the next day you're not going to eat anything bad. So mm. it, it becomes minus. Evens you know, out. Yeah, you evens underestimate out. my my ability to <laughs> eat, but okay, All in right. theory, I get it. Uh-huh. So this week's book is called The Big Fat Surprise, Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in a Healthy Diet. And high-fat, low-carb diet has become very popular here in Korea. It was featured on a TV documentary, and many people are following this diet. And there's been mixed reviews Mm -hmm. about this diet. So Grace, can you introduce the specifics of this diet? What is it about? Well, like you said, it's high fat, low carb, meaning that you take in more fat, like in terms of, I guess, animal fat, like butter, meat, Mm -hmm. fatty meat, like more greasy food, Mm -hmm. and less carb in terms of rice, bread, and like pasta and the like. But I guess a lot of people are doing this. I've heard like encounters or I've heard like stories where people even put butter in their coffee which is mm-hmm. very interesting uh-huh. I like questioning it since it's low carb you don't put sugar you don't, you don't you don't so you don't eat sweet coffee you don't drink sweet coffee but a lot of creamer and if you want to put a little extra gloss on your lips put a little butter as well maybe uh-huh. but yeah so it's not going to be sweet but if you put salted butter in there it's going to be buttery and kind of salty yeah and so a little like bit savory coffee yeah that's a good way to put it uh-huh. but i personally can't really imagine it and i'm kind of a little scared to try it i feel like i might not be able to digest it <laughs> Um, have you ever tried this, Amos, or would you want to try it? I, I think it's a good idea. I'd like to, like especially what you focus on the book of people just eating fat, big hunks of fat and big pieces of meat. Uh-huh. The problem is I'm poor. I can't afford <laughs> You can't meat. afford meat. Okay. I, and, and garbage food is cheap. Like bread mm-hmm. is cheap mm-hmm. and it's cheap. Like if I could, I would go and load up on steaks and just eat, mm-hmm. eat meat, but I can't. Yeah. Even yeah. butter is very expensive mm, these yes. days. Exactly. I mm-hmm. bought a block of cheese yesterday. It was like $7. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the critical reviews that this book received. Um, Whereas this diet is getting mixed reviews here in Korea, the book itself actually won a lot of awards in the States, right? Can you tell us about that, Amos? Yeah, um, The Economist loved this book. Um, They named it the number one science book of 2014. Did you say The Economist? The Economist, yes. Okay, that's interesting. Why Economist? They have a lot of weird articles. I didn't read it. I'm I'm not smart enough to read The Economist, Uh (laughs) but... Um, I guess they're right. A lot of smart people read that. So it won uh, like number one science book from The Economist. Best book from Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Mother Jones, The Library Journal. So a lot of people really love this. And I love The Economist described this book as a nutrition thriller. And that probably got a lot of... Nutrition thriller. It's a nutrition thriller, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, tell us about the writer who wrote this nutrition thriller. So the woman's name is uh, Nina Teicholtz, and she is a investigative journalist. She had a long history. She worked for the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and The Economist. Mm-hmm. And then when she first uh, started writing on this book, she was basically near like vegan or near vegetarian mm-hmm. while she was doing research. And then slowly as she was doing research, she's like, 
everything I knew was a lie. And then she like started freaking out. And then, uh-huh. and she, she, in an interview, she's like, as a woman, she would, you know, worry about her weight and cut out fat from everything. But as more and more, she started slowly uncovering this thriller that was mm-hmm. going on. She kind of totally changed her worldview, which is interesting because usually, as we'll see, that you have one kind of hypothesis and you stick to it the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So she was on her way to becoming a vegan mm-hmm. and she did a U-turn and wrote a book about making a case for fat diet, Mis- animal fat diet. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So how does she go about making her case for fat diet? Well, uh, based on what she's been writing, it's kind of like she's talking about a little bit of conspiracy theory on how mm-hmm. fat has been viewed very negatively. Mm-hmm. Like people think that fat is the ultimate bad guy, that it leads to a lot of, let's say, chronic diseases and alike. And she's been basing on her research from all the books that she's read, the studies that she's uncovered. That's not really the case. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's really why it's considered a nutrition thriller because it's like a big jump from what people are expecting. It's mm-hmm. like, right. no. You thought that fat was the villain. But it wasn't. It's not. It's your friend, and you should live by it and love it. And so, I guess it's kind of a very interesting turn because when she talks about her studies, it's very straight to the point. She really says that this they did it wrong. This what they said, but that's not really how it is. They studied this, but they didn't tell you this and alike. And personally, it's very, very scientific for my little head to understand. It's very technical, mm-hmm. but it is interesting because she's talking about food and who doesn't like food. So it sounds like she is taking all the misconceptions about fat and debunking them. Is that what the structure of this Mm -hmm. book is like? Yeah, it's basically like she will talk about the history of where this kind of anti-fat kind of thinking goes on. Mm. And she'll say, oh, well, everybody, all the books and all the evidence points to this study and then she'll kind of break it down why mm. this wasn't true mm. and then that's that'll be it and then it's a series of these kind of studies and she's like like for example one was um they they did animal testing and they gave a bunch of meat to animals and they, their cholesterol went up but mm. then you find out that they're giving it to vegetarian animals like like, like rabbits. rabbits yeah exactly but mm-hmm. later when they did it with dogs the dogs were completely fine and their cholesterol like evened out right yeah. right so it sounds like she got into the scientific method as well. She really looked into the science behind this research and really started looking at how this research is done and why it's biased and, and so on. Mm. So Amos, you have an excerpt that pertains to this part of this book, right? Yes, I do. Um, this is about uh, Ansel Benjamin Keyes, who is a biologist from the University of Minnesota. And mm-hmm. he's essentially the villain of this mm-hmm. book because okay. all his research kind of kicked this whole thing off. So this is a little passage about him. Okay. Keyes wanted his hypothesis to be presumed right until proven wrong. Yet, and this is the important point, science is not like the justice system. Whereas Americans are presumed innocent until proven guilty, scientific knowledge is just the opposite. A hypothesis must not be presumed right until a pile of significant evidence grows up behind this. And even then, you can never be entirely sure. All that one can ever really say is that the preponderance of the evidence tends to support one idea over the other. So tell us a little bit more about Keyes and why he's the villain of this book. So Keyes, um, he was from like Berkeley, California, and he was like a very free thinker. And when he was younger, he like collected bat dung in caves and then he went to school but he was bored of it so then he uh-huh. went to China and he like mm-hmm. worked on a boat like he was like this hippie free thinker mm-hmm. and then there was this big kind of um, scare of heart disease it, it rapidly shot up after the war mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. and he kind of had this idea of this low fat diet that and that fat 
is causing this, it's clogging your veins and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what it gets into the book is that people latched onto this because they were so panicked about it mm-hmm. that everybody wants like an easy fix. Like, oh, right, well, right. you eat fat, you become fat. Like, it seems so simple. And he even came up with like this keys formula of exactly how much fat you'd eat and how much cl- it would raise your cholesterol. Uh-huh. So he gave everybody this very easy answer. And then mm-hmm. basically we've latched onto that for decades. Mm-hmm. Eisenhower was part of that, that debacle as well, right? He had a series of heart attacks that put everyone in a panic. Yes, he, he, had, he had several, several heart attacks and uh-huh. then he was wheelchair bound at a certain point And then uh, his doctor was actually a big supporter of Keyes as well. So, oh, okay. And that goes into this conspiracy of like, and that's why these people are kind of feeding into each other. And so then Eisenhower changed his diet. And unfortunately, I don't think he lived that much longer. Okay. It was like maybe 10 oh, more poor years. Eisenhower. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of helps to kind of debunk it in a way, in kind of debunk this theory in a way, because Eisenhower did have a lot of, you know, heart attacks, as mentioned. But, like, did it really help him in the long run? There are still a lot of gray areas. And because he was the president at that time, it mm-hmm. did garner a lot of attention. People mm-hmm. were thinking the president is doing it. It mm-hmm. must be good for you. We should follow it. I'm going to do that as well. I don't want to get a heart attack. Right, because the president's doctor was the one who recommended this yeah. low-fat right. diet. So that I guess that's where it all started, where fat is bad and, you know, carbs are good, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the bias of the scientific method? It, it's it's once people like got into the certain idea that any kind of evidence against this, like she would describe people getting shouted down that, mm-hmm. well, we've established this already. So anything else is basically false. And also how every study, especially Keys, would go to these countries like you go to the Mediterranean, but he'd specifically go to countries where things fit his view. So oh, okay. all, all any study, what you learn through this book is any kind of study or scientific study can just be fudged as much as you Uh want it to be. It can fit whatever Mm -hmm. you want. And then you see that throughout history, that if somebody wants to say one thing one way, they can easily change the numbers in a certain way. So Keyes basically went to environments and sought out subjects that fit Mm -hmm. his hypothesis to begin with. Right. Okay. I believe like what understood uh, what I understand from Keyes' study was that he initially like asked around twenty countries or something mm-hmm. to for this kind of idea, and then he got a book or he got a study which is centered on six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like the rest he kind of you know didn't mean to look into deeper, <laughs> and he wanted to see what he wanted to see. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's related to the the second idea that we want to bring up, which is misconceptions about nutrition based on very poorly conducted, very biased mm-hmm. scientific research. And that excerpt comes from Grace. What do you have for us, Grace? Yes, this is an excerpt that I found in the book, which I think is related to what we're talking about right now. So it, it goes, in the end, what we believe to be true, our conventional wisdom, is really nothing more than 60 years of misconceived nutrition research. Before 1961, there were our ancestors with their recipes. And before them, there were their ancestors with their hunting board hunting bows or traps or livestock. But like lost languages, lost skills, and lost songs, it only takes a few generations to forget. So it's talking about how you know, we go if we go back in time and we look into it, this is really the truth, but what we know true to be now is so different. Mm-hmm. I like that line about like lost languages, lost skills, and lost songs. It only takes a few generations to forget. And well, in her case, in what... Ty Schultz is trying to say it's like to be totally like brainwashed and you know go the opposite direction in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the the um, the thing that we consider conventional wisdom, conventional mm-hmm. wisdom, I think we think of it as something that is time honored, something that goes back several centuries. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's that not. is never true. Yeah, 
It's like it's like when you talk about uh, common sense. It's not so common, and conventional wisdom is not so conventional. Mm-hmm. And you have another quote from the book that you want to share with us, right? Yes, it is that the advice that comes out of this book is that a higher fat diet is almost assured healthier in every way than one low in fat and high in carbohydrates. So I guess she's really going for like you know low fat. High carbs is not is not really good as what people would think. You know, more veggies and you know more less fat technically mm-hmm. is not as great as people would think as compared to high fat. Mm-hmm. And how does she support that argument for high fat? Um, she talks about uh, like the Maasai warriors are one of her examples that uh-huh. this tribe that only eats meat mm-hmm. and they they live in the desert basically. So there's very little plant life, and if they eat plants, those are usually during like very lean times. And they're constantly, like, really in good shape. I've seen pictures of these guys. They're really in good shape. Mm-hmm. And even without exercising toward older age, they don't gain any weight either. And mm-hmm. also, she gives examples of Inuit people up north that they exclusively, there's literally no plant life up there. And they just eat meat. And they're perfectly healthy. They have very little uh, recurrences of, like, heart disease or anything in their culture. Mm-hmm. And does she also cite scientific research, like new unbiased scientific research in her book? Yes, definitely. Like she always, she will always counter one of these false arguments right. with later on they'll either redo a test uh-huh, or they'll right. do another test. And like then the rabbit and the dog. Rabbit and the dog. Uh-huh. There was another one where um, they cut out fat from these men's diets and their heart disease went down, but then their occurrence of strokes and and cancers went way up so uh-huh. eventually everybody just died in the same amount uh-huh. of rate so uh-huh. stuff like that is very interesting in this book mm-hmm. the thing is although she does go into these researches i like she, i don't think she did her any of her own like it she didn't have her own research it was more of like a, a compilation of different researches on mm-hmm. this side and what they're saying and this side and what they're mm-hmm. saying and if you look at it they are clashes obviously they have different findings but you can tell which side she's on, but she doesn't really have her own like data to back it up. Mm-hmm. She always has just supporting ideas from other people. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said earlier, the title of this book, the, the subtitle of this book is Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in a Healthy Diet. And I understand, Amos, you have a very uh, long-standing relationship with dairy products. Tell us about your relationship to milk. Well, definitely. Like um, when I was first in elementary school and primary school, that they would give us milk with our food, and it was always whole milk, mm-hmm. which is three percent fat. Right. And then I remember slowly it would go to two percent, one percent, and by the time I finished after six years, uh-huh. it basically was skim milk. Okay. And then I remember when I was younger at home, I couldn't drink skim milk because it was like really watery; it didn't mm-hmm. taste good. But because you're fed it so much at school, I couldn't go back to whole milk anymore. Was it too rich for you? Kind of, yeah. It tastes okay. weird. And then it's the same thing. Like, But you've become acclimated to it so much because every single day they're feeding you this kind of milk. Mm-hmm. And um, this writer is saying that whole milk is better for you than skim milk, yes. right? Yes, yes, she is. And then also she gives a point like how it's very hard to find either full-fat yogurt. It's almost impossible. Like most uh-huh. yogurt, yogurt companies have reduced fat or no fat. And just recently, very recently, that we have you know Greek yogurt and that's a big thing that has fat in it. Mm-hmm. I think low-fat yogurt is basically one word now. Yeah, there is yeah. no other kind of yogurt. And you see it everywhere, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, what about you, Grace? You were talking about unnatural foods and all the unnatural foods that we eat these yeah. days in the name of losing weight. Yeah, because like you said, like low-fat in that sense is already like put together, low-carbs, like, you know, light food in a sense, like like mm-hmm. I was thinking in like in Korea, the milk isn't really. They don't have skim milk. I don't think it's like written down as skim milk. It's mm-hmm. just like low fat, you know, mm-hmm. low carb. It's light milk, mm-hmm. and usually these are like viewed to be like premium like products mm-hmm. in a way. 
so it's like we're going across the we're going back in time and kind of you know tweaking these things that are supposed to be organic or natural right. it's almost like the more unnatural it is the more expensive like the more more ritzy yeah it is. and i guess that's the view which mm-hmm. it's kind of going to info i think right. a lot of people are thinking that you know low fat you know we get rid of all the unnecessary nutrients mm-hmm. and then it's better for you but when we look back it's like mm-hmm. but then organics in again and out again right exactly because you know people also are looking for organic food yes and then that would go back to high high fat and low carbs which is what's in right now and mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to be you know popular or like uncovered mm-hmm. in the near future but so far this happening so mm-hmm. well for a food person i just like food so i'm not really complaining yeah. much i got that feeling too it's basically nothing you can't do anything to stop death so <laughs> you just enjoy <laughs> just eat food and be happy yeah exactly yeah, yeah. do you still drink milk I do, but the thing with Korean milk, like Grace said, that it's hard to tell what exactly you're drinking because uh-huh. everything is like... You don't know strange. what percent it is. I have no idea what percent it is. Uh-huh. But the thing I'm surprised about Korean milk, I don't know if you noticed it, never goes bad. Like, it really never goes bad. Really? It, it, does it? Is, it doesn't? I've, I've had it like weeks and weeks after. And okay. I remember like living back in Canada that uh-huh. if you have, leave, like, look at it or leave it out for two seconds, you're just having like a solid block will come out of that thing. Uh-huh. But... I've never had milk go bad. Korean I've, milk never goes bad. It's invincible. It's wonderful. Okay. Someone <laughs> should do a study about it. Yeah. It'll make you live longer. Yeah. You will never go bad. Mm. Maybe milk. not. A funny thing I want to say about uh, Ansel Keys. He lived to 101 years old. So maybe he was right. <laughs> maybe he was. <laughs> maybe he drank Korean milk. Yes. <laughs> well, we're almost out of time. But before you go, can you tell us very quickly what healthy eating means to you? Grace? Well, for me, I like I said, I'm not really bound to diets. What healthy eating is for me is what I crave that day. I eat it and I'm happy. If you're happy eating, then it doesn't count. No calories. Yeah. Okay. So food is happiness. If the food makes you happy, that is good food. Yes. Okay. What about you, Amos? Definitely, I have to go with the low carbs, low sugar, because I feel, I feel bad when I eat it. But like I said, okay. I, I'm too poor to afford okay. good food. <laughs> Okay, well, this was terrific fun, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you guys so much for coming in, and I will see you again soon. Thank you, thank you. Coming up next is the second hour of The Bookend, but first, here's Fatboy Slim, Praise You. I have to celebrate you. 